0: Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Heater, and you know, it's been a minute. So I wanted to give a little breathing room because things have been really hard. Um, the world has been really difficult lately. And um, I know that for a lot of people, this is cookie season and Ooh, it's a tough one. So, um, with that being said, this episode is going to be about how this was, well, not the best cookie season ever for most of us. Now, if you have had a great cookie season, Or if your cookie season ended before there were any issues with supply chain and inventory and shipping, and now made even worse by (laughs) the fuel complications. Then you may not know. Or if you're listening to this at some point in the future, I hope our collective memory is super short about this. And um, you may not know exactly what's going on. But the long and the short of it is (laughs) there's been a lot of complications with COVID and fuel and world affairs that have led to. Some inventory issues, many inventory issues, with both bakers providing inventory to councils all across the country. Let's start with some perspective. This cookie season has absolutely been challenging. And I want to also just pause and take a moment that some of you may have had wonderful cookie season. Some of you may have sold more cookies than you've ever sold before. Your girls are still hitting their goals. And I don't want to take anyone's energy that's already feeling positive and um, (laughs) be a Debbie Downer. But I also, it's really important to me on this podcast that we talk about the stuff that's hard. So I want to just kind of acknowledge it. It's not too late for Um, raising the money that your troop needs and for your girls to be able to still accomplish whatever they set out to do with their cookie goals. So whether you're selling Little Brownie Bakers or ABC, you... Have likely been impacted. Um, adventurefuls would be like the number one thing that there's a limited supply of adventurefuls. That in itself is not strange because new cookies often have limited inventory because um, they sell really well because they get a ton of press and a ton of hype in the media and also. New cookie flavors are limited edition flavors for a reason. They rarely have long-term staying power and um, they're still not going to sell like the classics um, and the big, like the big three for sure. There's often limited inventory with new flavors. Nobody wants to be stuck with a ton of the new flavor. We never know exactly how they're going to go over Or if they're going to be well-received. So (laughs) that's common. But this year, a lot of us have experienced issues with inventory for some, if not all, of the other flavors as well. And you guys, if you've been listening to me on this podcast for a while, you know I've said time and time again that the only thing you really need for a successful cookie season is Thin Mints. And... (laughs) a lot of us have been out of Thin Mints. <laughs> so I understand how frustrating this can be. I do. And the reality is we and our girls depend on the cookie program to fund service projects, trips, troop activities. And as volunteers, we put so much time and effort into cookie season, well, the whole year, but especially cookie season, that to then face limitations and restrictions with what we're able to actually accomplish and the money that we're actually able to realistically raise is frustrating. (laughs) Um, However, what separates our cookie program from any other fundraiser is that girls are skill building and learning. And this year still has the potential to be a really good learning opportunity for our girls to be building skills and learning life lessons that they're going to carry into their the rest of their growing up and their adulthood. And here's why. The reality is, even though it can be a harsh lesson especially for younger girls to learn so early. But when it comes to business, no matter how much we plan, there are so many unpredictable factors that we have to learn to respond to. In 2020, when COVID-19 hit, cookie season was all over the place. We had massive shutdowns. Councils, some councils were lucky enough to finish their cookie season in time. They had successful booths. My council was one of them. And some troops and girls were left with mountains of cookies and had to strategically work with their councils to donate or safely sell cookies in lockdown and quarantine. Some girls in different areas were never able to sell cookies, um, depending on how late in the year their season came. And that impacted the council too, because um, either the troops are going to take a massive hit or um, and therefore like the volunteers and the parents, or the council's going to take that massive hit. And <laughs> none of us have the bandwidth for that. And this is happening in businesses all across the country in 2020. If we, if we flash back, this was happening to anyone who carries physical inventory, right? The bottom line is that we all had to adjust. We had to work together and we came out on the other side and it wasn't always pretty and you may or may not have agreed with how things were handled. But like at the end of the day, we got through it. So next, 2021, last year, out of lockdown but COVID-19 was still rampant and depending on exactly where you were uh, during that time and how bad numbers were in your area at any given point in correspondence with your season, you know, it may have impacted you to different levels but the bottom line is that (laughs) we had to be really creative to discover innovative ways to safely sell cookies. And so virtual cookie booths became a huge thing. Girls could ask their friends and family and almost anyone to buy cookies from their troop, support their troop via virtual cookie booths. And Some councils did a Grubhub partnership for the first time, so that way girls could sell in more controlled environments by working a Grubhub booth fulfilling orders. Also, there were more technology options. Girls were able to mask up and they designed ways to sell safely with just minimizing the chance for transmissions and creating all these innovative booth structures and designs with, you know, um, plastic shields and all kinds of crazy cool things. Um, Again, the bottom line is that we adjusted. We figured it out and we did our best to persevere and to come out on the other side and for some people it was a great season and for other people they didn't even participate or they participated just at the absolute bare minimum we came out on the other side and so now here we are 2022 um, most places we were ready to be back out selling cookies in the more typical ways and <laughs> Just like many other industries, Girl Scout cookies became the latest victim of supply chain issues. But here's the thing. We can take the approach that this is the worst cookie season, or we can use this as a real life teaching moment for our girls. And in doing so, we're left with figuring out (laughs) how do we make up the money that we've lost from limited cookie sales? And I am here to share that while it may not be easy, it is possible for you and your girls to raise money to continue doing all the awesome things that our girls do every day in their communities. So let's go through seven tried and true fundraising options for you and your girls. Let's get the disclaimers out of the way. All fundraisers have to be approved by your local council. Um, The ones that I'm going to go through today are very popular in the wider Girl Scout community, but you must check with your council before you can proceed. Most of the time, councils have like a form that you fill out to submit the request. And so that would be the way you would normally approach this approval process. If you're not sure, you need to get in touch with your service team or your appointed council staff person, your member services person, um, to find out what the process is. Also, most councils do require girls to participate in council fundraisers before they can do any other kind of fundraising. So often that means that it's expected that your troop participated in both fall product and the cookie program. But, you know, you just have to find out um, what's going on in your council. And honestly, if you don't qualify for that um, and that is a council requirement, You should still communicate with your council about it because the council also wants troops to be successful. They do not want to see more turnover. They've experienced massive problems with retention. They know that fundraising has been an issue. They're experiencing that as well on the council level. So the only way different decisions get made at the council level is when they hear it from troops. Of course, you know, it's all about how you (laughs) approach the conversation and you may or may not get your way. And even if you do, it may take longer than you would like for there to be a decision that makes you happy. They're doing the best they can. And so you should go into the conversation assuming that of them. And then my last disclaimer before I get into my fundraising ideas Most of the time, you will not be able to sell another business's product or service in order to raise money for Girl Scouts. So this is a little different from a lot of other youth activities. But for example, you can't sell like Yankee candles or wrapping paper and then have the girls keep the profit. Um, Normally, that is not going to be approved with Girl Scouts. Um, Again, you just have to get more information from your specific council. But with all of that being said, here are some of the most popular fundraising ideas for Girl Scouts for 2022. The first one we're gonna talk about is the classic spaghetti dinner fundraiser. So what this is, you and your girls get together and you serve spaghetti, maybe salad and bread to community members. Um, It's successful because spaghetti is a fan favorite and it can be cooked in mass quantities very easily. Um, And most of the time people can prep for this by pre-cooking like the sauce and even the noodles and... It's also really easy to accommodate a lot of different kind of dietary restrictions. So you can do it without meat. You can do it gluten free. Um, So the cost is really low to make this meal and it can be made in large quantities. Um, An alternative to this is also a pancake breakfast, so similar kind of thing. You can create so many pancakes for really inexpensive, similar to how you can create like a massive amount of spaghetti. Okay, potential challenges. (laughs) one finding a place to host the dinner like ideally you want this to be in kind of like a grand hall like space with a kitchen um so it could be a community center a neighborhood center any space that allows for large gatherings you probably need a kitchen access to a kitchen um and then you want to check with your local council to really verify whatever food safety laws and regulations exist in your area. Different states regulate how food has to be handled or cooked, and it's really, really important to follow and abide by these rules when you're serving others. Um, So if there's a specific certification required in your state, like there is in Arizona, um, then there's probably a volunteer who can work with your girls to ensure that they're in compliance but you again you just have to find out with your council if that's feasible in your area Um, so the ideal group for this fundraiser i mean it could really be any age of girls um, because older girls are going to be a lot more confident around the kitchen preparing the food it's a pretty simple meal If the food is pre-prepared at home, then younger girls can also easily participate. Sometimes preparing a lot of food, like really large quantities of food in a large kitchen, can be a larger safety risk for smaller and younger girls. Um, but in those cases, girls can really help with setting up the tables, serving the food, and of course, cleaning up and leaving the space better than it was when they're ready to leave. Okay, the second one, my the second fundraiser idea is to have spirit night. So, Basically, some restaurants will allow groups to bring in patrons to eat and donate a percentage of the sales back to the organization that are any sales that are made from a certain time frame on a specific date. And this is successful because it's usually um, pretty minimal effort for your group to make money back. Um, So your group will have to spread awareness of the details of the event and encourage people to eat there and mention their fundraiser. They'll have to spread the word. But um, yeah, they don't have to actually do the fundraiser part. They just have to get people to go. Some potential challenges. Uh, Well, this is kind of (laughs) like the disclaimer that this is kind of like selling someone else's product and then making money from that. So the truth is with this, it depends where you are and what your council rules are. Some councils allow this type of fundraiser. Um, It's really popular with service units um, or travel troops trying to raise money. And some councils do not allow it. So at the end of the day, it doesn't hurt to ask. Just make sure that you do get permission. And this is ideal for all girls because any age level could participate in spreading the word to raise awareness, to encourage attendance and participation in this. Okay, the third one, I'm going to say uh, an Easter egg fundraiser. There's a lot of variations of something like this, but since Easter is coming up around the corner, this is timely. So I'm going to say Easter egg fundraiser as how I'm defining it, but you'll get an idea for what it is and how it works and how you might be able to adapt this to other things. But basically another disclaimer, uh, obviously this is a religious observance. So um, you guys know if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I don't typically recommend actually participating with your troop in specific religious affiliated traditions or observances, like Easter eggs in themselves are not um, a religious symbol, but they're related to a religious holiday. So there is, you know, you have to figure out if that's going to be right for your group or not, but you can come up with a variation And what it is, is your troop gets together and sells um, an egg my yard package. So for a a specific flat fee, your girls will go hide Easter eggs in the yard of whoever the patron was. Filled with candy, maybe like dollar store toys or stickers the night before Easter so that those people who participated, their families or whatever whatever gathering they're having on Easter already have their Easter eggs hidden for an Easter egg hunt. And there's lots of variations of this that you could do that are Easter specific. So you could upcharge for a letter from the Easter bunny. You could upcharge for bunny tracks or maybe even a golden egg. And again, you can also adapt this where it is not specifically related to Easter. This is successful because Easter and Easter egg hunts are super popular in the United States. Lots of parents would really appreciate not having the added responsibility of of not having to go do all of the, you know, stuffing the eggs and hiding the eggs. And for our troops, the cost of the supplies is actually, it can be surprisingly low. Um, And if you find this to be a successful fundraiser for your group, you can actually start collecting eggs and supplies year round. And if you kind of get a little reputation for it, lots of people will even donate used ones to you as a way to get rid of them. And then you can purchase candy and little toys when things are on sale throughout the year. Potential challenges. (laughs) You'll wanna start small and set boundaries because this can grow really big, really fast. Uh, it does involve driving around at night usually, so you have to prioritize safety there. Um, you're going to sneak into people's yards, so you need to make sure adults in the home are aware of when you're coming. Maybe send like a discreet text upon arrival to avoid misunderstandings. Make sure your communication is really clear about exactly when you are going to be in their yard. And um, Decide on specific areas or neighborhoods to focus the activity because otherwise, if your locations are all over town, it's just not going to be very practical in getting this done in one night. So this is ideal for girls of all ages because all ages would enjoy the different aspects of this fundraiser. Of course, girls of all ages can sell the experience and they can even get together to stuff and sort eggs But you're going to need adults to do the driving and um, the delivering and the hiding. You really would want the girls to be part of that. And if you're going uh, into the night, the night before Easter, that's most likely going to appeal more to older girls unless you have a lot of really good communication with your families ahead of time and they can plan for it there are a lot of yard experiences that your girls can sell. So there's like a famous flamingo flocking. Um, That's not going to be holiday specific. You could create your own thing. There's all kinds of variations and versions of this that you can definitely do that are not religious. Okay, next one. Parents night out. Parents drop their kids off for a couple of hours with a group of trained babysitters. So there are Girl Scout badges for babysitting, first aid, and so on and so forth. And so Girl Scouts and a group of CPR and first aid certified adults would be the babysitters. <clears throat> and then you would charge a fee for this service and just promote it as an opportunity for parents to go out and you kind of create like a daycare experience. This is often successful because girls can use the skills, the practical skills that they're learning in their Girl Scout badge work to plan safe and engaging activities for smaller children. And most parents would love a few hours to catch up on things, go out, do some shopping, just have some downtime potential challenges here, securing a space. Um, You're definitely going to want a hall-like space where everybody can be in one place supervised. You definitely need to secure enough adults. You want to make sure you're staying with Girl Scout ratios and have accounted for all of the children. And you probably need to secure additional insurance. So definitely make sure that you're commuting with your council, communicating with your council about this and finding. Finding out what the extra insurance process looks like in your council. You also want to think about timing of your event. Um, (laughs) We've heard some horror stories of non-Girl Scout events where parents will attempt to pick up their children intoxicated. So you'll want to try to pick hours that are after work when most people are off work, but early enough that you're not running into these uh, common problems. You may want to set an age limit of what group of kids can be dropped off, what age group can be dropped off, no babies is probably a good idea. You could make a requirement like potty trained. So you could consider like school age and above as example. Um, and this is ideal for really older girls. Juniors and up probably could handle this fundraiser as long as you have a good group of confident adults. But definitely older girls <laughs> for sure. Okay. Okay. Number five, troop yard sale. It's exactly what it sounds like. Everybody in your troop gets together, goes through their clothing, toys, books, household appliances, prices them, and sells them at a yard sale. Um, It's successful because it's a yard sale. Everybody loves a good yard sale. For girls and their families, it's a great way to get rid of gently used things that no longer fit or they don't need anymore, declutter, all of that. Um, And many people's friends and family are also going to be willing to donate items to the sale. Some challenges, weather, (laughs) depending on where you live, you're gonna have to be strategic about picking a date and a location. And this is ideal for all girls because girls can use their cookie lessons to choose items and price them. They can market the event by making posters and flyers to drive foot traffic. They may choose to sell larger items virtually. Um, In fact, they could do the entire yard sale virtually and do it as like a pop-up Facebook group um, or a Facebook event. Girls can handle money. They can give change. um, And in a lot of cases, people are going to be really uh, eager to donate in this scenario. they can, girls can work at restocking, safely interacting with customers, and in addition, they can set goals, track their progress, all of that. So before they begin the sale, they want to decide what they want to donate and where. Maybe adult women's clothes to a shelter, books to a hospital, gently used pet toys to a rescue group for whatever they have left over. Okay, number six a Girl Scout experience. So what it is, is girls running programs for other Girl Scouts with a flat fee. So this would normally be a patch or a badge experience. And it's successful because Girl Scouts love supporting other Girl Scouts and leaders appreciate girls taking on the leadership and not having to plan everything. The potential challenges here, I mean, there really aren't any specific challenges around this you can do something as big or as small as you want or need just make sure again that everything is completely approved by your council this is ideal for all girls older girls can plan badge or patch activities purchase supplies run them at a per girl fee for other girl scouts Younger girls who are interested in selling an experience can create kits that other girls can buy. For example, making swap kits or slime kits for other Girl Scouts. You can think of doing anything from a journey in a day to a unicorn party. And the biggest thing is just to adjust your idea to what your girls can lead and execute, like meet them where they're at. And then my seventh and final idea that I'm gonna go over in this podcast episode are the classic fundraisers. There's nothing wrong with sticking to the classics, car washes, bake sales. Consider how these types of things will work for your girls. Maybe pairing a car wash with a lemonade stand or having a bake sale where you only sell one really popular seasonal item like pumpkin rolls in the fall or apple pies around the 4th of July. So you want to think about all of those kinds of ideas. And again, all of these, just get them approved by council and find out what the extra steps are for approval, certification, and insurance. All right, so steps to deciding on a fundraiser. This is very similar to what we teach our girls to do when they are planning a take action project. So inventory your audience, what What's your community like? Who are the people in your community? What do they want? What do they need? What about people at school or church or synagogue or mosque or local business? So, you know, start there. Assess where there's demand because wherever there's demand, there's opportunity. Next, you want to make a plan. So work with the girls to figure out what the initial costs are gonna look like, where potential earnings could come from, and how much they want or need to earn. And consider things like, how much do we need to sell to hit that goal? How much do we need to sell to break even? What might be some of the challenges or obstacles that we might run into? And how could we overcome those challenges? Okay, I know that I've been harping on this, but get your plan council approved. This is a necessary step. And honestly, the more cohesive of a plan you have, the better it's going to go over with your council. Of course, the flip side of that is if you spend a ton of time planning with your girls and then council doesn't approve it, it can feel really defeating. So there's a give and take in this. You might want to kind of run your ideas by... Staff in your council and then go work out a whole plan and go back for official approval when you have the plan ready. And then you're going to execute your plan while allowing the girls to take on leadership roles. So we want the girls to be learning the skills and getting hands-on experience and cooperating as a team. So it is really important for them to get that hands-on experience. And then finally, you want to reflect. Don't skip this part. Just like with a Take Action Project, you want to go over with the girls and really spend time thinking and reflecting and talking about what went really well, what could have gone better, do we want to do this again in the future, and if so, how could we start preparing now, and did we meet our goal? So while many of you listening (laughs) might be thinking, This is definitely not the best cookie season ever. (laughs) Just, you know, try to keep things in perspective. What can you do as a leader to really teach your girl about being courageous and strong and even how to use their resources wisely? I think this is a really great year to help girls grow and it starts with us as troop leaders. And my final reminder here about this... (laughs) very challenging cookie season, is that I would wager a bet that not a single volunteer listening to this signed up to be a volunteer because you wanted to sell thin mints. I'm pretty sure that was not the point, right? And although it's very frustrating and I am not discounting that frustration... We always need to reset that perspective when we're frustrated, when we're tapped out of why are we doing this in the first place? What do we want the girls to get out of it? What are we trying to do here? And like... The goal was not to sell cookies. Now I know there are actually a lot of girls who sign up for Girl Scouts because their initial thought is they wanna sell cookies. So there actually are girls who specifically signed up to sell cookies, but we know that's not what keeps them. That may have been what brought them in the door, but what keeps them is cultivating a safe space for them to be girls, To develop lifelong relationships with their peers and with adults that they can trust and rely on and to have experiences that push them out of their comfort zone and help them develop risk taking, innovating, goal getting and leadership opportunities and skills. That is what keeps girls after they get in the door. And so that's what we're trying to do here as volunteers. We want quality time with our kids. We want to give girls a safe space to be girls. We want to help them develop skills that they're going to carry into the rest of their lives. And we want to give them experiences and memories that are joyful and happy and exciting that they're going to remember forever. We want to help shape girls into the people that they're going to be in their adult life. That is what we're trying to do here. And in the grand scheme of things, this is just a cookie sale. It's just one. It's just one sale in the entire cookie program. Hopefully, you and your girls are going to participate in several. You know, in the big picture, most likely your girls aren't even going to remember this unless they're In high school, they might, (laughs) but most likely they're not even, when they think back on their Girl Scout experience, they're not going to think about this cookie season. So it's all about perspective. I hope that this is helpful for you. If you have other ideas for fundraising that have worked (laughs) really well, money earning projects that have worked really, really well for your troop in the past, or if you've heard an idea that you're really excited about that you want to share, I urge you to join us in the Facebook community. It's facebook.com slash Girl Scout Podcast. Join us there and let's get some conversation going about ways that we can raise funds when we do not have our best cookie season ever, whether that's because of the circumstances in the world. Or if that's circumstances within our own families or within our own troops, it can really happen to us any year. And, you know, our troops still has to make money, honey. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just hope this was helpful. My heart is with your hearts right now. The world is hard. It is heavy. It is scary. We are all anxious My inbox is always open. So if you need a warm and friendly heart, send me an email or send me a DM or post in the Facebook group. We have an unbelievable community that we have cultivated here over the last three and a half years of the same kind of people who lead with love and really want to genuinely want to contribute and make the world a better place. So you can send me an email, girlscoutpodcast.gmail.com. You can hop in the Facebook group. You can send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. Any of those ways to get in touch with me, facebook.com slash Podcast. And on Instagram, it's Girl Scout Podcast. I'm not really doing much on Instagram right now. I'd love to, but I'm just not. So you can also um, reach me there. But yeah, that's a that's been a little crickets. So I haven't even been promoting that one. Um, and as always, just a friendly reminder that um, in case you didn't know, we have a subscription, a monthly subscription opportunity with... Girl Scout troop leader experience themed tees every single month. You get a t-shirt shipped directly to you from me and um, they are limited edition. So they are only, those designs are only available during that month. I do have a few remaining from January, February, and the March shipment. But if you want to make sure that you definitely get your size delivered straight to your door at a discount for April, you want to hop on over to TroopLeaderTees.com and every purchase that you make at TroopLeaderTees.com does allow us to continue to produce free content to support Troop Leaders all across the country. So thank you to those of you who are already um, either shopping or especially subscribing monthly. I hope that you love it. I've created it just for you. And um, I, yeah, I hope that it's as fun for you as it is for me. It's exactly the kind of thing I love. So I hope you'll love it too. TrueBladerTees.com. All right. I love you. Good night or good morning, depending on when you're listening to this.